Pastor Paul Boyer and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together. Pastor John started a series last week on freedom, and he talked about the freedom to live, and I, I heard a lot of feedback on that sermon, so it, it must have been a good one. I'll have to listen to it. I haven't got, is it on the podcast yet? Okay. No? Okay. So as soon as it's on the podcast, I'll listen to it. So I, if I repeat anything Pastor John said last week, forgive me, because I wasn't, I wasn't here and I haven't heard it. But I'm going to carry on that, uh, that topic of freedom, and we're going to move into the freedom... Uh, to produce. What is your life producing? We're going to move into the fruit of freedom and we're going to talk about the freedom to serve. What it means to be a servant in Christ. I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 5 if you want to turn there and follow along in your, in your Bibles. Uh, I'll start with verse 1 and then I'll skip to verse 13. If you're following along and it should be up on the screen as well. So I'll just start reading in verse 1. It says, Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. What he's talking about here, of course, is, is the law. It's the, it's the burden of the law, the slavery that was put on, on the, the Jewish people. We've been freed from that. So no longer are we under the yoke of slavery. But there's more than that. He was talking about the law. He was talking about legalism. But he was also talking about the, the yoke of slavery to sin and slavery to death. And we've been freed from all of that. We've been given tremendous freedom. The question is, how do we use that freedom? What's the best and most God-honoring way to be free? In verse 13, it says, For you are called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in the one statement, Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Verse 16 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, especially dissensions in the church, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must not also follow the Spirit. 
We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We must serve. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity as always to come before you and speak your word, have your word spoken. Lord, I ask that you be here in this room today, that you guide the words that are coming, that are being spoken by me. I ask, Lord, that those words be your words and not mine and that it should penetrate the hearts of all that hear. Lord, I pray for this service. I pray for this sermon. I pray that the message will be the message that you will have prepared the hearts of these people for. Lord, I ask for your special grace on all that hear this and all that come to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor John talked about being, being free to live. This week we're going to talk about being set free to serve. Now, we live in the United States of America. Amen. We talk a lot about freedom in this country, don't we? We talk about freedom of religion. We talk about freedom of speech. We talk about freedom of the press. We talk about freedom to define our own destiny. Because isn't that what America is? Freedom to define our own destiny? We know what all that means. We've been raised since childhood to understand what the 4th of July stood for and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. It's an idea. You know, isn't, it, isn't it interesting that, the United, that, that this government, this country, is founded not on, not on a, a genealogical progression, who's the next king, not on who is, has the most powerful army. The United States of America is founded on an idea. And that idea is that we have, we're free to define our own destiny. The Constitution, we, when we pledge, when those of you military people, when you take your pledge, when you, when you join your oath of office, you pledge to defend the, the Constitution of the United States. Not the President, not the Congress, not any person, but the idea of the Constitution of the United States of America. Abraham Lincoln called for a new birth of freedom. So we understand what freedom means in that context, that we're free to define ourselves, we're free to be to live our lives the way we see fit as long as it's not impinging on the rights of someone else. And all that is good. I think that's the way God intended humankind to live. But even those freedoms are not enough. As pleasing to God as many of them are, we also have the freedom to do evil instead of good. We have the freedom to serve, and we have the freedom to take. We have the freedom to set others free, and we have the freedom to enslave others. Too often and too many people, freedom means anything goes. That there are no rules. There are no behavioral norms. We're free to act as we choose. Freedom means that we can take what we want even if it hurts someone else. We are free to do whatever it takes to make me happy. That's what freedom means, right? I have the right to do whatever it takes to make me happy. The world equates freedom with license. You are free to, to live your life the way you see fit, which gives you license to do anything you want to, even if it's if it's not God-honoring, even if it's destructive, even if it hurts those around you, you are free. But 
Loved one, that's not what freedom means. Freedom is not license. Freedom doesn't give you the right to do anything that you want to do to make yourself happy and to make yourself fulfilled. That's not what freedom's about. In Galatians, in Galatians 1, 5, 1, we read, Christ has liberated us unto freedom, therefore stand firm and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Do you understand that self-control or the lack of self-control is a form of slavery? If you're living out your every desire, regardless of who it hurts, are you free? Or are now you under bondage to yourself? Paul tells us you will do the things you don't want to do. You've given that freedom away. You've fallen back under slavery. Slavery is sin. And that's not what God intended. Dag Hammerskold, and that's a big long word, I probably just mispronounced his name horribly, said in his autobiography, the road to holiness necessarily passes through the world of action. Paul tells us in, our, in this text to the Galatians that we have been called to freedom, but not as an opportunity to serve ourselves, but as an opportunity to serve each other. Paul defines freedom and what it requires. He reveals that freedom in Christ is not a freedom towards self-indulgence, but it's an exercise of loving service that is the truest mark and measure of a Christian and Christian freedom. Loving service is measured by one's response to his neighbor, not to himself. To himself. So this, this idea of self-indulgence. Don't we live in a self-indulgent society? Everything you see and hear in the media, social media, television... You know what? Bud doesn't make you wiser. Self-indulgence is not going to bring you the happiness that you're looking for. As long as you're living outside of the will of God for your life, self-indulgence is sin. And sin only has one consequence. But what about self-indulgence? Lucy, remember Lucy from the Peanuts comic strip? I think she was the poster child for self-indulgence. And there was one strip where, where Linus was reading a book to Lucy, and, and Linus says, It says here that the world revolves around the sun once a year. Lucy replies, The world revolves around the sun? Are you sure? I thought the world revolved around me. I know some people that think the world revolves around them. That they can have anything they want as long as it's pleasing to them. They climb the corporate ladder on the corpses of those people that got in their way. When you think about it, our financial system is based on two things, greed and fear. If you can use greed and fear to promote yourselves financially, you can be at the top of the heap on the stock market or anywhere else. Self-serving. There was a movie quote one time that says, "Somebody said, whoever said that money is the root of all evil just doesn't have any. That's not what Scripture says. It's a misquote. Scripture says the lust after money is the root of all evil. Not that the money is, is a problem. It's the lust after it. It's the heart, not the money. Self-indulgence. Just look at our culture. It's everywhere. And guess what? Our churches aren't immune to that. 
You can turn on the TV right now, and there will be a TV pastor telling you that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and happy. That's God's purpose, is to make you happy. God put you on earth so that he can serve you and give you everything you want. God wants you to have that new Cadillac. You just have to pray harder. Could not be farther from the truth. God's purpose in putting us on this earth is not to make us happy or prosperous. Now that he may make us prosperous, he may bless you with that Cadillac, but only because he loves you, not because you deserve it. Galatians 5.23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Those who are guided by the fruit of the Spirit know that true happiness and fulfillment is found not in serving ourselves, but in serving others. Jesus reminded the disciples, remember, the disciples were having a discussion amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What did Christ do when he overheard this conversation? He reminded them in Luke 22, 27. He says, I am among you as one who serves. The general of the Salvation Army was asked to be a guest speaker at a graduation ceremony. When he got up to make his remarks, he, he, talked to the, he was telling the audience that he loved being the main speaker. Not because he was conceited, but it gave him a oppor- special opportunity that he doesn't normally get. He said, there are, just, there are just two things about my, about my uniform, quote, about my uniform that I want to tell you about. There are two brass buttons on the lapels of his jacket. There's an S on this side and an S on that side. He put his thumb under the right label and he said, this S stands for saved. I've been saved by Jesus Christ. Then he placed his thumb under the other one and he said, this S stands for serve." It lets the world know that I've been saved for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to serve. Then with a note of seriousness, he said, you know, quite frankly, I'm tired of some of the Christian brothers and sisters who always talk about salvation, but they never talk about service. And they go together. That's a powerful reminder that we've been set free by Christ so that we can serve the needs of the human family, especially the least and the lost and the lonely. We will be able to do that if we can be set free from serving ourselves. I heard a story about a segment on 60 Minutes that featured a 79-year-old Roman Catholic nun by the name of Sister Emmanuel. 79 years old. That's a time when most of us are thinking about moving to Arizona and getting to Winnebago and visiting the grandkids, right? Sitting by the pool, maybe traveling, 79, 79 years old. She fell on her knees and she prayed to God that God would send her to the most desperate place on earth. And she said in the interview, be careful what you pray for because your prayer might be answered. Her prayer was answered. And at the time of the interview... This this elderly French nun was serving God in the city of garbage, the worst ghetto in Cairo, Egypt. Every day she'd get up at 4.30 in the morning to begin her work. 
among 10,000 untouchable <laughs> residents. These untouchables stay alive by sorting through the garbage every day, looking for tin cans and bottles that they can sell. At 9 a.m., she'd be in her own hut teaching 40 Christian and Muslim children to read and write. And then she worked with the government to provide better housing in the slums. She was looking out for her neighbors. She was serving. In her quiet ministry of serving, Sister Emmanuel helped improve the living conditions for for many children and adults and families. Isn't it appropriate that her name is Emmanuel, which means God with us? Diane Sawyer was leading the interview, and at one point she asked her if there might be a reward for her work. The elderly nun pointed at the painting, a painting on the wall above her head. It was a picture of angels with hands joined dancing in the kingdom. One of these days, Sister Emmanuel said, they will offer me their hand and I will dance in the kingdom of heaven with them. That's her reward. I'd like to think that that's exactly what she's doing. She's since passed away. I would like to think, and I'm confident, that's exactly what she's doing. She's dancing with angels in heaven because of her selfless life and her service to others. Because she had been set free by Christ and she was serving. That is what we are all called to be. We're all called to be servants. We're to serve each other. How do we do that? We have a meal ministry. That's service. We're going to help all day move next week. That's service. We visit people in the hospital when they're sick. That's service. We babysit each other's kids. That's service. We mow each other's lawns. We take out each other's trash. Why do we do that? Because we're going to get paid for it. No, we do it because we want to, because our hearts are open, giving us the ability to serve. We take our time to serve each other. Because the... Scripture tells us the world will know who we are by our love for each other. When the world looks at the church, they don't see the building. They don't see the ministry opportunities that we offer. They really don't even see Awanas and Children's Church and all of, the, all of those programs that we have. You want to know what the church sees, or the, the, what the world sees when they look at the church? They see us loving each other. Because that's fundamentally different than their own mindset. That's fundamentally opposed to the way of the world. To love and care for each other more than themselves. When they see us, they're looking at us as, what is it that brings them together on Sunday morning? And then sometimes Sunday night. And then sometimes Monday night. And sometimes Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. There's somebody here just about every night, except in the summer. It gets a little slower. And the world is watching that. They see the parking lot full of cars, and they're wondering, what is going on? What do they have that I don't have? And what we have is love for each other and service for each other. I know in my heart, because I know your heart, that if I was in need, you would come help me. All I would have to do is make that need known, right? Guess what? Look at, you, look at the person sitting next to you. Maybe you're not, if you're not related to them or married to them, that's your brother and sister, and they're there to serve you, and they're willing to do it. They just need to know that there's a need. 
We serve each other. We show our love for each other. Because by doing that, we show our love for Jesus Christ. So we serve each other. Then what do we do? We serve the church. Now, what does it mean to serve the church? Well, there's a lot to that. We just passed around the offering plate. Okay? That is a, that is a symbol of worship that you're returning a bit of the blessing God gave you into, back into the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth. But it's also a symbol of your love. It's also a symbol of your service. It takes money to have the lights on and keep the air conditioner running, pay the mortgage. All of that takes money. So you're serving the church by your giving, your tithes and your offering. But there's much, much more than that. We can't begin to to give enough to cover all the things that need to be done here. We don't go out and hire someone to mow. We have people in the congregation that mow. They serve the church. We don't hire somebody to clean. We have people within the congregation that, that take turns cleaning the church. That's a lot of work. We don't hire people for Sunday school. We don't hire people for nursery. We don't hire people for Awanas. That's all done out of the love and the devotion of the people we serve in the church. And it takes a lot of people and a lot of work to keep this church going. If you're not involved in those ministries, it's difficult to see what all goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of time and a lot of energy spent to keep this going. And it's all given with love by the people because they love the church. Next, we serve the community. How do we serve the community? We, re- we look for outreach opportunities. The f- first and foremost responsibility we have is to preach the gospel to all the nations. We look for opportunities for evangelism, and that in itself is service. But we look for ways to serve. We look for ways that we can reach into the community and meet a need. We look for ways that that the church can be seen as giving and not taking. Too many people have the opinion that the church is all about money. And I can kind of see where the world would get that idea. If you listen to Christian radio, what do you hear every half hour on the half hour? Please give. Right? Now, we understand where that comes from. We understand that those ministries are dependent upon donations for survival, and they have to ask for donations. But if you're, not, if you're a, an, an unsaved, worldly person, and you just want to find out what Christian radio is about, except for Joy FM, where they don't do that. But they have their drive a couple times a year. But, but if you listen to Focus on the Family or any of the rest of that, you're going to hear a pitch for money. I wish they wouldn't do that. I understand why they do it, but I wish they wouldn't. Because I get tired of listening to it. And I understand what it's about. I can just imagine what the world thinks. They think the church is all about money. And too often they've been right. There's been too many churches that have fallen into the trap. That it becomes about money. It becomes about crystal cathedrals instead of the Word of God. I pray that that, we never get to that point. But we serve the community. Let Christ's love shine from us to the community. That's service. We serve the world. Well, how do we serve the world? By our giving to foreign ministries. By our involvement in politics. Sorry, I said that out loud. We serve the world. We are Christ to the world. 
We have to get involved. We can't pull, Christians can't pull ourselves back into our sanctuaries and pull our heads in and hope that things will get better because things aren't going to get better. We pull ourselves into our sanctuary so we can get on our knees and pray for the world. So we can, we can stand up for what's right. We can vote for what's right. We can give two things that bring glory to God. We can get involved in the world. Because without us, there is no light. Not us, the light that we bring from Jesus Christ. We bring that into the world. That's how we serve. And guess what? We serve even those that hate us. Even those that want to kill us. We serve. You want to know how we fight terrorism? Not with more guns. Not with more violence. Now, I'm not saying that we should just become all become pacifists and lay down and just let the terrorists do whatever they want. We have to protect ourselves. I agree with that. We have to have a strong military. I agree with that. We have to have strong police. I agree with that. But it's not violence and bigger guns and more troops that are going to that are going to put terrorism to rest. The only cure for terrorism. What is terrorism? By definition, it's designed to instill fear, terror. That's what terrorism is. Make you afraid. You defeat terrorism by being unafraid. You can be strong, you can be defensive, but we can't be afraid. We see all that's going on in the world right now. We've got people driving trucks into crowds. We've got, we've got bombings. We've got shootings in McDonald's in Germany. We got a coup in Turkey that failed. The world's crazy. So what do we do? We draw ourselves out of the world into our sanctuary and huddle in fear. No. We stand up. We proclaim Jesus Christ and we pray for these people. We defeat terrorism with love and we defeat terrorism with a lack of fear. So why would we do all this? Why would we serve? Why would we serve each other? Why would we serve the church, the community, the world? Why would we love people that are bent on destroying us? Why would we do that? There's a, there's a phrase, and I, I belong to an organization that's involved in occupational or uh, organizational change management. And one of the acronyms they use is WIIFM. When we're trying to reach people and explain a change that's happening in an organization, one of the things that you have to touch on is WIIFM. What's in it for me? When a change is coming, we have, to, we have to get the word out there. So when that person asks, well, okay, so you're going to change my work hours or you're going to change my location of where, I, where I work from. You're going to change the way I do my business. What do I get? What's in this for me? So what's in it for me as a Christian? Why do we serve? Well, because we're commanded to, firstly. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We're commanded to serve. Because Christ said, love one another the way I loved you. And how did Christ love us? By coming, taking on human flesh, becoming one of us, walking in the dust and the dirt, 
and being abused and persecuted and spat on and loving his tormentors and praying for the people that were killing him. He served us by dying on the cross and giving us victory and freedom. His commandment is for us that we love one another as as he loved us, sacrificially, with no self-indulgence. The secondly, because it meets the needs around us. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to give to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. We meet the needs of those around us. We meet the needs of the community. Thirdly, it enhances our witness for Christ. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Fourthly, it serves Christ. In Matthew 25, Christ said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when would we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Amen. Serving each other, in effect, is serving Christ. Serving the Christ that we love. So I'm, I'm about done if the, if the band wants to come up. So we're free. But we're free to serve. The good news is that the more we serve the more we are served. Service itself is a blessing. It works both ways. We bring a blessing to someone in need, and we are blessed by it. It's been said that a burden shared is half a burden. A blessing shared is twice a blessing. It pleases God, and that's what Christianity means, being more like Christ, Christ the ultimate servant, the God-made flesh that came to die for us, Shouldn't we follow his example? He served the world, the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the evil, the Jew and the Greek. He served us all. And we must do the same. Service in the name of God is power, but it is the power of God. And it's the ultimate freedom. We are free from the law, we're free from sin, we're free from death, we're free from self through the power of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We're given this this unlimited freedom. God wants to know how you're going to use it. What is in your heart? Is your heart bent on serving yourself or on being more like Christ? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't serve yourself and the world at the same time. You can't serve yourself and serve Christ 
at the same time. It's not a matter of God not having the resources. It's a matter of the condition of your heart. If your heart is is bent on serving yourself, gathering in for yourself, filling up your barns and building new ones, there's no room in your heart for service to others. Service to God. I know people that give to charitable organizations because they need the tax write-off. Well, there's nothing wrong with saving on your taxes by your giving. I'm not condemning that. I'm condemning the attitude in the heart. Right? God would much rather you gave to a ministry or you gave to a church or you gave to a charitable organization because your heart strives for that. It's the condition of your heart. What's your motivation? The outcome's the same. But what's your motivation? Am I doing this work for being noticed by men? Am I doing this work so that I can get advancement points for my next military advancement? Or am I doing this work because my heart longs for it? And I've been called to serve, and this is how I can serve my mankind. This is how I can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ himself, is through service. Where is your heart? What things do you put before God? So as I offer an invitation this morning, I ask that we all examine our heart. Ask yourself, who are you serving? Are you serving self? Or are you serving God? What does your heart tell you? Don't look at your works. Don't make a list of the wonderful things you're doing. Look in your heart and say, why am I doing it? Who am I serving? Is it me or is it God? When it comes down to it, you've got two choices, yourself or God, and there's nothing in between. What is your motivation? What is driving you? God would rather have someone who serves minimally with an open heart and with desire and love than somebody that serves to abundance, that's doing it for their own selfish reasons. Ask yourself where you are. If you're not in the place where God is in control of your freedom, then you're not really free. You're still in bondage. The ultimate freedom is when you lay down self and pick up your cross and follow Christ every day. That's where freedom comes from. So when we talk about freedom, we are free to become slaves. We're free to become slaves to Jesus Christ and follow our Master. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, I pray today that you would get that freedom. I pray today would be the day that you do business with God and you invite Him into your heart. It's simple to do. If it's real and genuine and the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, just ask, pray openly to God. There doesn't have to be a formula. Just pray to God, so I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Please fill my life. And you will be set free. And you'll know joy you've never known before. Lord, I pray that 
All those who have heard this this morning will open their hearts, examine themselves, and look at their motivations for why they do the things they do. Lord, I'm not asking, I'm not, I'm not saying that people should stop working. I'm saying they should work with an open heart and in service to you, and that should be their motivation. Lord, I pray that you move in the hearts of those that are not contributing. Move them to a heart of service. Lead them to a position and place and situation where they can serve. Open their eyes to all the many service opportunities that are around us. They can start by serving their spouses or their significant others or their family. Those little things. Lord, I ask that you move in their hearts. I ask that you move in the unsaved. That you bring them to see the trap that they're in prison that they're in, serving themselves, that you open their hearts and that the Holy Spirit does that work, brings them closer to you so ultimately they accept you and you set them free. Lord, I ask that you be all with all of us as we leave here today and we go out in this fallen, damaged, evil world. Give us the courage to stand up and be that city on a hill that you called us to be to shed our light out into this darkness so they can see that there is hope. Lord, all of this that's happening in this world today is happening out of hopelessness. They can't see that you are the hope. So Lord, move in their hearts. Let us shine out and be the light that you call us to be. Use us to further your kingdom. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for this body. I pray for all that call on your Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.